Depends on how you define that. But you know what? I'm going to say uh, I have a home I'm fed. Mm-hmm. Get what I'm saying? I got uh, I got yeah. paying bills, so I'm doing yeah. good. Well, yeah. In that regard, I, um, I'm doing the same, I guess. I've, you know, I'm working, chilling, um, alive, eating, able to enjoy my hobbies and recreational activities and stuff. Um so I guess in that regard, I am all right. But, you know, how is your mental right now? Um, I was feeling pretty low. Mm-hmm. But I think um, after today, I'm feeling a little optimistic at least. Good, good. Uh, there's something that comes with being a part of the experience, I'm assuming, or I'm, I'm hoping as much because i haven't been out you know since things popped off like what uh, a week ago um the shelter in place as we know has uh been here for a little bit already some months but as of like last week um things kind of kicked up as far as like the protests and how people are responding to uh, George Floyd and police brutality and everything. So from the get-go, yeah, it's the the uncertainty kind of doubled or tripled, I, I suppose, because it was a new situation due to a pandemic. And now it's a newer situation due to the, the national spreading of uh, the protests and people's reactions to it. Like this is, this is a time right now. This is definitely some shit for me that I'm going to look back on and remember where I was like every, every step of the way. Yeah. I try to remind myself that, um, that it's maybe privilege is the wrong word, but, uh, like, yeah, we get to live through this and it sucks now, but I think being on the other side of it will feel kind of good. Yeah. If good is even the right word for that. Mm-hmm progressive um it's you know everything that you go through and everything that you see is an experience in itself but to be here seeing it with my own eyes it's 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 something it's something i mean it's for a good reason you know so i feel like you know all we can do is be hopeful and just be a part of it in some way form or fashion uh, when you let me know that you were going to a protest today, I was actually like somewhat envious. I was like, damn, you know, because sitting down and watching it, uh, we have access to these things that we probably, that people probably didn't have when these things were more prominent. You know, I'm thinking about shit, years and ages where people had to rely on the news and the media to cover protests over here or how the police are responding to this, that, and the other, but to get information straight from 
the source, like from the ground, from people that are participating in these things. It's it's a really special, um, an immersive experience, but it's also very, very draining, you know? Um, yeah, I, I struggled with, uh, I guess, guilt I think, about not yeah. protesting last week. Yeah. But I was like, you know, I'm getting older. I'm not trying to get fucked up. I'm not, yeah. you know, there's other things you can do besides protests, which is totally true. There's other ways to be useful. Um, but for me, this has kind of been an emotional time for me. I think that the the kind of uh, hope that I'm feeling now, it, it makes things feel closer, like worse in a way. Because before you're like, man, shit is fucked. It's never going to get better. Let me just do whatever I can in my lane and do my thing right and then you kind of it's a way to insulate yourself from it to an extent and i think at least for me personally where we are here there's this tangible thing right that we're we're kind of around the corner from something mm-hmm. and it's a weird feeling like i i didn't even know if i could trust myself to be out there right but I think, you know, this week talking to some people um, and then being able to go very early to a protest today once uh, and and it was very interesting, the demeanor of the police. Uh, granted, this was at like 1 p.m. on a Saturday, but, you know, they're like, oh, man, make sure you're staying hydrated. Please. Can you can you just cross cross the street over here? We kind of got this blocked off. Sorry to, you know, um, so we're kind of at the point, <clears throat> at least during the daytime, broad daylight on a Saturday, where there's not the danger aspect, right? And they're trying to at least have this facade of like, okay, you can end this anytime now. We're, we're good. Uh, and that helps. But I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Um. I don't know, man. It's been... A roller coaster ride from the jump. I uh like I'm thinking back I guess starting from when everything kind of kicked off. Uh like I'm 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 digging into my like mental right now. Like I'm not at a loss for words, but it's this week has been so rapid and so like just one thing after the other that it feels like almost like more time has passed when it really hasn't. Um, I think I want to say last what shit uh, Saturday I was off chilling and I think that's when Minneapolis um, went up that night. I was seeing <laughs> I was seeing videos and in uh, pictures of the protests and fires here and Target got fucked up and <laughs> Rotund Shorty in the wheelchair got got caught a three piece. Oh, outside. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. You remember that? That was wild. That was damn. Things are moving so fast right now. So, yeah, I saw. <laughs> what was she? She's stabbing people. And then they just let loose with the fire extinguisher. And, um, 
you know, in hands and whatnot. Uh, you know, it, for in that moment, uh, it was it was funny. It was like it was it was cool. I was like, okay, this is actually happening. And then, I believe the next day was a Sunday. I think work was normal. You know, I think I got up. People were protesting here in Chicago. I think I was at work, and um, during the process, they they definitely at some point over those two days put out a notification to everyone's home. It was signal boosted that there was going to be a curfew in effect from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. And my immediate response, you know, uh, because I work until a good 8.30 or 9, was how the fuck am I going to get home? Because, you know, I know Uber is an option. It is what it is, and that's fine. But mind you, um, certain precautions were taken to keep off of, like, you know, just lower the risk of uh, being involved with COVID-19 or whatever else. So I've been, you know, just walking and stuff. And the thought of walking around, you know, during a curfew, like, while protests and these things are going on centered around police brutality and just being in Chicago and seeing the CPD for what they really are and how they go about these things. Like my ass cheeks was clenched for like, like I was at work and I was like, uh, and I'm in a fortunate situation where I, um, you know, I work with people that, uh, care about one another. Um, at the moment, you know, I'm the only black man, working at where I work and you know I'm mostly surrounded by white individuals and you know we all walked in and there was a sense of solidarity because I was looking at the curfew thing and I was like sitting there and fortunately most of us stay in the, stay in the same neighborhood and we all like they saw me looking at the phone and I guess I would just like look off into space a little bit and try to reflect on everything that was going on and one by one, they were like, so how are you getting home later? And I was like, you know, I don't know. Uh, and, you know, they were around. They were like, I don't mind walking with you. And all of them were volunteering one by one to kind of, you know, like, hey, like, we got you. But I feel bad because, you know, as an adult, you know, and especially as a black man, like, I feel like inevitably there could be something that I encounter on the way home involving the police. And I feel irresponsible bringing someone else into that even if they are a white person you know i'm just like i because i care about people too and i'm like i don't know how close you want to be to to the situation i don't know how close you want to be to what might hypothetically happen and they were 10 toes down they were like nah dude we don't we don't care it's all good like it's, it's okay and so i was like wow you know so um but then lo and behold my, it wasn't my relief. We were supposed to work the shift together. Another person that I work with came in and she came in and she was like, hey, she, I could, her pace was quick. She was on the phone talking to people because I knew there had been a protest and stuff was going on. And I was like, all right, you know, and sure enough, um, she walked up to me and she was like, hey, um, I would like for you to go home if it's possible. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, 
you know, I can take care of the things here. Um, and truth be told, if shit hits the fan, we're white and we're okay. I want you to be home as soon as possible because the police are doing this and um, other individuals that support the police are doing this and um, the 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 chaos has gotten as far north as like division in Milwaukee. So we think it might only be a matter of time before it slides up to this area. But I would feel more comfortable if you were at home and you were safe. And I, I had a conflicting moment because I like to pride myself as someone who's, you know, supportive of other people. You know what I'm talking about? Like people come to you and talk to you and ask you for things and help and advice because they know that you're a supportive person. And this was one of those moments where I was being looked after and I'm not accustomed to it, but, and I couldn't refute the points that she had made. I was like, you know what? It's, you might have a point. And I reached out to my GM cause I wanted to do as much as possible before leaving. And also wanted to make sure everybody there was safe. And the GM was like, you know what? They will be okay. Even though I'm off, I'm going to pick you up right now and drop you off at home because I don't want you walking right now while this is going on. And they picked me up and it it happened. So it happened so rapidly. Uh, I joked later on, I was like, you know, I felt like Obama, like you just like the secret service just ran in, snatched me up and like stuffed me into the car. And they were like, are you good? You got everything you need. All right, let's, let's go because they cared about me, you know? And, um, it's, it's from there, it just turned into an experience where, it was like a window, like I was watching things from my phone, from my actual window, like hearing things like at night. And I know the difference between gunshots and um, fireworks. There's been mostly fireworks, but occasionally there's like a few shots going off. But I mean, that's that's regular. You know what I'm saying? Um, That was mostly my experience because since then I haven't really gone out as much with the exception of going to the grocery store um because damn you got to get to the grocery store that must be nice it was cool and I got rides to the grocery store because once again my GM and best friend um would contact me I was like hey do you need anything like the outpouring of individuals who are like do you need anything like how are you feeling what's going on because they care and they realize and they see what's going on has been exponential. Like there's been a lot of people doing that. And there was like once or twice where I've been picked up and it's like, yeah, we can grab some stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. Like that's super duper nice, you know? So I haven't, I don't know. There is like a certain amount of guilt that I feel. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm being cared about and, and protected in a way by those around me because they see what's going on. Um, I want to protest. And I, and I would think to myself, like, damn, like, am I disappointing the people that are seeing to it that I'm taking care of by putting myself in a potential risky situation or, you know, the COVID aspect? I'm like, is it wrong for me, like having quarantine for this long to like start doing this? Is it wrong for me to not do this like you know what i'm saying it's just like been a balance of things but yeah 
it was it was a discussion that I had afterwards and they were like, you know, we we want to make sure you're taken care of because we care about you. But if you want to go out and protest, do all these other things, that is perfectly fine. That's cool. Um, But we just don't want work to be one of the reasons why you leave the house. Like we don't want to add that to your plate. So you can do what you do. And I support any decision that you make, but you know, we just want, we just want what's good for you and better for you. And I'm really fortunate, man. I'm really, really fortunate. Yeah. It's, it's put a lot of things into perspective for me. Um, you know, I, I, I get that line of reasoning. I think it makes a lot of sense at first blush, but I think you have to think of, um, you know, obviously every body in a, a protest is important, right? But mm-hmm. like I touched on earlier, and, and we both know there's many other ways to contribute to a cause. And I think somebody like you is practically an ambassador for black people. Like, I mean, I'm sure you've thought about that, right? Yeah, of course. It's consistent. You were, you were a, a window into black culture for a lot of people that you know and i think you make a very good and positive impression and i think you are a an educator of sorts right like yeah. you're you're non-confrontational but you don't put up with things which is yeah. important yeah and uh i was talking to alan what was breakfast about this because you know he's a white dude and he his whole thing is all about food and he's like, you know, this sucks and people are hungry and we'll get to this later, but you know, Chicago was um, still feeding CPS kids, even though school is out because of COVID and they abruptly cut that off, which I kind of see as a punishment for the protest. But you know, he's like, how could, how can I feed people? How can I do this? How can I do that? He was very like almost tripping over himself, trying to find something to do, which is, I mean, it's, it's a great, you know, like energy to have. But what we ended up talking about was, you know, I'm not above going somewhere, handing food out, doing whatever. But perhaps I'm more suited, like I may have a skill set that someone else may not have that can allow me to be of more use or greater use given a circumstance. And I think in the case of yourself, you missing out on a protest is not it it doesn't signify any sort of lack or care or laziness or anything i think it's you know where are you best suited and i think working in the environment that you do and associating with the people that you do um i think it does a great deal right Mm -hmm. so thank you i appreciate that man um that means a lot dude you know because there's been I've had an internal conflict kind of going on. Uh, you know, you want to make sure that you're uh, to not partake in something that you believe in. And, you know, there's, I don't know. It just gets weird, dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, it's hard for me to put into words. And um, when I spoke to, you know, those around me that were participating in protests and going here and doing this and that um they also pointed out like 
they were like Delance, like you also have to realize that you stand out in in crowds as well. You know, like yeah. and this was a white person that was letting me know this. They were like, We have this is the problem that we have the ability to go here and do these things and get a completely different reaction than you do if you were to do the same things and therein lies the problem and the reason for why all of this is going on in the first place. Um, well, I, I'm, I know you're on Twitter a lot, so I don't, I don't know if I should assume you've seen this or not, but you know, what do you have to prove that you're an essential worker so that there was this video, I think it was in New York of this guy delivering rub hub and caviar and all the shit on his bike. And they, they arrested him for being out past curfew. And I'm sure his bike got trashed. I'm sure he lost, you know, not only losing money from work for the night, but he has to bail himself out. He has to go through all that nonsense and Mm -hmm. you leaving a location in an area with heavy protesting just outside of an area with heavy looting. Um, I mean, do you get the benefit of the doubt looking the way that you do? You know, the, you know, the, we can take precautions. We can, we can, you know, try to take elaborate routes home. Um, And I do have like a letter that was typed up by one of the owners stating that um, an essential worker and stuff. But the reality of it is no. No, we we didn't really have the benefit of the doubt prior to all of this. Um, You know, as you've seen first and foremost, because you've been pulled over and approached by officers on many occasions that we've talked about on here. Um, But now shit is definitely a little bit more hectic than it's been prior. Um, And furthermore, I'll mentally played out a scenario where I'm on the way home and I have to prove that I'm the individual that I say I am. That just turns into like a, like a fascist type of like, show me your identification. Like, who are you? I don't want to reach for the letter in my bag because now they have consent since I've opened my bag to go through my bag. And that could lead to this, you know, like just alternate, interactions and experiences that I really rather not be in because all of them aren't positive and all of them um, lead towards a negative outcome in one way, form or fashion. So it's best to avoid. Sadly, there is no way to predict how a, an interaction with police will go if you are, anything other than white if you are even like i mean i guess you could be like fucking sicilian or something they're like yeah mm-hmm. there's a little olive complexion in there they i don't do know <laughs> better book them right i mean like it, it's it's fucking crazy you have no idea you could run 10 scenarios in your mind and get the 11th one yeah yeah it depends on the the officer's temperament the the other officer's temperament because they roll in packs usually um shit maybe the temperature packs packs. like you worded that exactly they run in they run in droves um but there's generally no no way of knowing what's gonna happen uh i've been i've had straps pulled on me by the police as young as 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 15 
I want to say that was like one of the first times that shit actually happened. Um, it's something I might have brought up before, but it was right outside the then Dominic's um, or near Ad- near between Belmont and Addison and Western. Uh, that was like, whoa, like that happens. But, you know, as a kid, you brush shit off and whatnot. But it kind of sets the precedent for the experience that you're going to consistently have with these figures of authority. Um, I'm happy that you brought up uh, CPS stopping the food um, services because uh, I've had this argument. It's not an argument, but, you know, there's been discussions that have happened surrounding around the way with which people protest and looting in general. Um, And majority of it is, you know, why are they doing it? Like, like, I'm not going to entertain the they're fucking up their own community conversation because I'm like, you know, that's I'm of the mindset that things can be replaced uh, most of these companies, especially large ones, have insurance. And, you know, a lot of things can either be fixed or put back and whatever else, especially like super large companies. Um, smaller businesses, you know, I hope they end up making it out. Uh, you know, I think it's really rough in certain neighborhoods for smaller businesses to get by and whatnot. But, that leans more so towards the the reason that people are out here. Um, there are people that are protesting, and then there are people who are just opportunists, you know? They just go out, and they want to break things, grab things. You know, people of all ethnicities, you know, there's uh, black people that break into stuff, grab things. There's white dudes that break into stuff, and grab things. There's, you know so on and so forth but i don't want to generalize and say like you know i'm not gonna pull a trina and call people animals and shit like that you know because these things are things um and hopefully people can come out uh you know a little bit you know just able to like fix the things that were broken like regarding small businesses and stuff because larger ones i'm not concerned with but it's a it's a a very multifaceted thing and i think there's levels a lot of so i I, part of the reason we had looting in residential areas and small businesses specifically here in chicago is because after the first or possibly second day of the protests they they raised so they announced you know hey curfew is in however amount of time then they raised the bridges and everybody had to just figure out how they're leaving and the trains are shut down and everything like it was super fucked and if you drove which i I mean i don't know why you drive to a protest or a huge protest like that um all of the exits and entrances for the expressway were closed and then they kept downtown closed for days after and you know i'm not a genius i'm no expert but the first thing i thought is Tomorrow, we're going to have the same amount of energy, but it's all going to be residential. And the mayor decided to do that specifically to protect the downtown 
and the businesses that had already been largely looted and can easily be fixed. Mm-hmm. The money's there for it to be fixed. You know, they all have insurance. Yeah. It's going to be fine in a week. Um, you know, I, I really don't understand why you wouldn't let people congregate there again the next day and there's nothing left to smash. So what gets smashed? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, you know, I brought up you being able to go to the grocery store, you know, I, where I live now is formerly a food, food desert. They built a grocery store like three years ago or something. Um, and you know, I have the luxury of having an automobile, but even, even with my car, I have to drive well into the North side to get groceries. So plenty of people in my area were essentially without food for like four days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't want to say forced to the right. Nobody's forced to loot. But I mean, if you're thinking realistically about the nature of people and it only takes one person to throw a brick or do something and mm-hmm. then you, you pile on, it's like everybody's been stuck in the house. Right. People are so uncertain about their economic futures. There's so many Thank people you. have been out of work. Thank you. In a month yeah. or two months, mm-hmm. that extra $600 is gone. A lot of these jobs aren't coming back. And somebody throws a brick through a city sports, shit, maybe you run in there and get a couple of pairs of shoes. Like, it's really not you know that far-fetched when you try to understand. That's why I was tripping over my words a little bit earlier because, you know, it's hard for me to speak on the looting, especially when nobody's getting hurt um, and people's reasoning for it when there's been like layers to this, you know, we're starting off with a pandemic and then we're going off into unprecedented levels of unemployment and a lack of income. And you throw in the police brutality, which has been happening and which people are tired of combined with the state and mental state of individuals that have felt like their hands are tied right now because they're stuck in the house due to all of the um, things that I've listed, excluding the police brutality. And it just, it just felt like a powder keg that was just going to blow at some point, you know? So, you know, people are like, Oh, this, this store got looted. That store got looted. Like these people are animals. Why are they doing this to their own community? Um, people don't have shit. People really don't have anything right now. And if you didn't have shit when you were working and when things were relatively normal, you really don't have shit once your income and way of living is taken away. You know, and in these neighborhoods, like how much of it is actually their community? You you know what I'm saying? Um, the, well, how the, do you expect people to feel ownership of a community when they have no stake in the community, right? Like, yeah, you know the 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 city's idea of of neighborhood pride is like, hey, you get a new bus stop. Mm-hmm. Like we put we put new a new ad up on your bus stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had experts have been saying for I want to say at least six years. 
I mean, obviously this is not an ongoing thing, you know, as far as the shrinking of the middle class and all that, but you know, these, the so-called good unemployment numbers are not really indicative of where people are. People are incredibly underemployed. Um, people are underpaid working two jobs, three jobs. Uh, we're, we're less educated. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you, you just lump more and more. And meanwhile, you have, I think, our political party shifting a little bit where you have one party that, that gives no shits and you give, you have one party that gives a, a, a small smidgen of shit. And you have, I mean, we've, we've amassed, I think a, a great amount of people that we have no representation. We have an uncertain future and what, what other recourse, right? You can't get blood from a rock and we're constantly told of what we can't have and what we can't do what's not possible and people are hurting people are suffering and i running out of options you this it's been it's been overdue you take away there's so many things that go into it you you take away the schools you close and i'm speaking on this locally because i know there's people that listen to this from like many different places and have different experiences and whatnot, but speaking locally, you know, you take away the schools, the the kids aren't in class anymore. You defund uh, CPS, you know, so teachers that are still teaching have overcrowded classrooms and don't have the means to to educate the way that they need to, and they have to come out of pocket for a lot of the things that they try to provide to our kids um the rent goes up the the neighbors have to move out um you know you go out of your way to try and start police academies and fund the police and give them things while not allowing them to take accountability for their actions you know um I it's, think to an extent, Chicago is a bit of a microcosm of, of what we have going as far as our nationwide, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's a little, we've got a mix of, <laughs> it's, it's like a mix of shit going on right now. Like there, every element or negative element that I've seen that goes into a conclusion like this like the 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 pandemic was just the parsley on top of like a larger problem that that was that like all that was was the further you know taking something away that people had because you know people if you if you're going outside and you're working and you're doing this that and the other like at least that's a distraction from what's going on around you in the way like you have your routine so you know your head's more so up your ass like when it comes to stuff that's going on because you're focused on you you're focused on what you have to do you're focused on the rent being due you're focused on the bill being paid you're focused on feeding yourself and your kids and so on and so forth when you take those concerns and you amplify them because you aren't able to go out and do things and you're forced to look at what's happening around you because you don't have as much shit going on and you're used to being on autopilot, it 
it gets the cogs turning. Um, I'm kind of rambling right now. Am I rambling? I'm sorry. Like, cause it's like these thoughts are like, it's been hard um, expressing everything that, that is on my mind to like people, you know, because I've been doing check-ins on everybody. It's just stressful, you know? Yeah. I've kind of, I've reduced some of my interactions to like, and not even um, like, I'm not trying to do this. Uh, but I think some of it is just like so basic, right? Like everything just, cause it's so hard to, we're, we're just hit with so much at once, right? Like think about how much things have changed in two months, just our daily lives, our mentalities, right? And I think it's, it's hard to process and convey everything. And, and I think, you know, we're doing the important things of just the two sentence check-in, right? I don't, it doesn't necessarily need to be all about, you know, unloading and, and getting philosophical. I think the the contact alone is important. It is. Yeah. Um, it's the most important, especially now because the amount of stress and like paranoia that I felt that first day, once I was pulled out of work, I, I hit the house. And the first thing I did was call up, um, my best friends, my brothers, you know, all of which, um, well, the ones I contacted were black men just to check and see where they were, you know, Darren hit me up and was like, Hey, where are you? And I was like, I just hit the house. Where are you? He's like, Oh, I'm in the crib. He was like, I'm just checking in on you. Cause it's getting kind of hectic out there. You safe? I'm like, yeah, I'm safe. I reached out to my younger brothers, you know, my, actually my, my brother FaceTimed me while I was at work. And he was like, Hey bro, where you at? And I was like, I'm at work right now. He's like, man, you may want to wrap it up, dude. You know, and he married, he manages a grocery store on the South side. So he shut down the store hours ahead of time because um, it was getting hectic out there. And he told me, he was like, you know, honestly, I was on the way home. The shooting started, the looting had started. Uh, the the rules of the road were non-existent. You know, people were reversing, driving over curbs, and so on and so forth. He was like, it was, it looked like GTA out there. And he was like, you know, I, I want you to be safe. I was like, I got you. I'm on the way home. I hit up my youngest brother. I'm like, where are you? He was like, oh, I stepped out to get some fresh air. We both told him, I right, step in the house, like go in the house now, because it's getting kind of stupid out here, you know? Um, it, my interactions have gone down to there's a balance the, for my black cohorts and individuals. It's the regular check-in. There's a sense of solidarity because we all feel it. We all are going through it, but it's not new. It's not new, you know? So the two word check-in is sufficient for a lot of people. Sometimes it's like, yo, you cool? what's going on and it's like i'm good you know what's up um i'm right here for those of them like experiencing something mentally and they need to express themselves it's like you know um i'm worried about this i'm sad and we have that small discussion but it's cool but i've like tapping into what you said earlier where i've served as an educator for um some of the people around me i have found myself having longer discussions with 
um, people and friends and associates that aren't black that just want to reach out and make sure I'm okay because I came to mind and also want to express like how they feel about things and not in a selfish way, but in a, you know, whatever you need, I got you. If you need cash, a ride somewhere, um, just let me know. And I'm like, that's fine. And we've had discussions and some of them have ended, have leaned towards uh, me kind of sort of like educating them a little bit. You know, it's like, I want to be a part of this, but I don't know the best way to do this because it's not about me. And I've been able to let them know, like, you know, I'm not a professional and I'm not the most militant of people, but here's my experiences and here's the advice that I can give you so that, you know, you can adjust to this reality that you just now like kind of open your eyes to. Um, and I've done this with a white person and funny enough, I've done this with, um, Latino people as well, because anti-blackness isn't just a white person's game, you know, um, Uh not only with the, (laughs) and not only with the, the police and like the proud boys or, you know, occasional Nazis walking around, um, you know, the Latin Kings have become emboldened as well um, by everything that's going on. And sometimes they're lauded as heroes in their community or in their neighborhoods for, you know, jumping down on black individuals. But if we can be honest, maybe about it's it, just an excuse to break black people that they yeah, want to do anyway. Exactly. This has been um, their prerogative since high school you know i went i took night I took night classes at clemeni it was a good experience it was cool because most everybody in that was just like laid back and whatnot but when i got out of that building i wasn't i wasn't bullshitting on, on division and western for obvious reasons you know and the conversation i had with this um one of the latin people or latinx or i'm not sure what they go by but what uh, was around like a, there was like, what's the best way to say this? There, was, I saw something on the line, along the lines of brown people that were volunteering to help drive black people through neighborhoods such as Little Village and Pilsen and back of the yards, like you name it, because they knew the individuals were going to be on bullshit with black people because they have been for years, you know. So uh, that was a surreal moment for me, realizing that it's even in the thick of it like the anti-blackness and the sentiments come from all angles. Like there's nowhere that I can turn, look and do shit and feel safe. You know what I'm saying? And I actually, I'm not sure if you've been in these neighborhoods cause I know you kick it sometimes in well, Pilsen specifically, but no, Pilsen little village back of the yards. Yeah. I've been in all those places. Right, right, right. So you, I mean, and I'm not trying to come down on a demographic specifically or anybody specifically, but this isn't, this isn't new shit. It's, um, it's incredibly disheartening because, um, I was talking about this earlier, uh, with someone and, you know, Chicago is, is split into thirds essentially. Right. And it's, you know, white, black, Latino, right. And if we, if people can get their shit together, who runs the city at that point? I think 
you know, like I understand that some of this stuff is taught, but it's like your indigenous people who were subjugated by Europeans and you ended up here and, you know, they're unique experiences, but they're so tied together. Um, and it's, it's just unfortunate that the differences are, are focused on. And I mean, you know, this, you know, you could say that George Floyd was the last straw, but I mean, it's not, it's not what all of this is about, right? It's, it's, it's so much more than that. And it affects so many more people mm-hmm. and it's, um, you know, it sucks that everybody can't get behind that one thing. Especially when, you know, some of the people that can't get behind what's going on are people that aren't necessarily in a better situation than we are or black people are as a whole, you know, um, you know, when it's weird, it's real weird, man. Um, having these conversations with a poor white person and a brown person and, you know, across these different groups, sometimes you'll come across a lot of anti-blackness and I'll just look like, why? Like, they don't give a fuck about you either. Like, why? <laughs> oh, <sighs> I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like how, uh, on the internet, everybody makes fun of Dominicans. Don't want to admit they're black. Oh man, that's funny. We don't have a super duper Dominican population in Chicago that I'm aware of. Like, I don't know where the Dominicans. Can no, get. I don't know where they're hiding. There's, there's ten of them yeah, hiding somewhere. I look. I, I'm a look. Like when I get the chance and stuff, you know what I'm saying. But, um, yeah, no, I saw about that, and I, I read about that. You know, out in New York, the Dominicans were, um, there were Dominican people. I shouldn't say the Dominicans. I sound racist when I do that. But, <laughs> but there were Dominican individuals walking through the neighborhood with police trying to get, you know, black protesters out and trying to make sure the neighborhood was free of black individuals that were apparently suspicious or looked like they might cause trouble. That's I'm like, what in the fuck is is that? What is that? You look like you look just like me it doesn't you know it that 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 shit is super duper wild to me um at most we we might have puerto ricans that occasionally join the force and might think they're italian here and there like upon joining the force i'm not sure what it is about putting that badge on that completely changes a person's mindset and priorities um i don't know maybe it's the lack of accountability maybe it comes full circle because you know once you put it on you you feel greater than you feel you feel more important you feel like your actions don't have the consequences that they would have had you been a civilian this whole time um, I do have some numbers here before we move off of uh, Chicago specifically. Um, some of these are a few years old, um, and based on trends, you can kind of say that they're they're getting worse. Um, but we spend 
uh, just over 40% of the city's budget on policing. Mm -hmm. And that number is creeping up close to $2 billion a year. Yeah. Um, we have a budget shortfall of about $1 billion a year. So I think the people who listen to this are, are generally kind of on the same page as us politically, which, I mean, I don't, I, you know, it's like, I'm always torn on that term because I feel like everything is political, but also nothing is political. Like some things are just so black and white to me. It's like this, is, to me, this isn't an issue. Like this is just, you do the thing you're supposed to do. Certain things shouldn't be debated. There's a right and there's a wrong. I don't yeah. like there's there's just not a discussion that needs to be had when it comes to certain things. So when we I know that defund the police is on a lot of signs and I think people are hearing it a lot for the first time. Uh, this is this is what they're talking about. Uh, you know, you have a city with who's crying broke, but is spending 40 percent of their budget on policing. And, you know, are we. You know, I, I think some people on the other side of the argument would say, well, Chicago needs a lot of police because of you know, violent crime and murder rate and all this. But I mean, when you take that tactic towards community, a city, what have you, you're chasing a rabbit around a tree, right? You're you're not going to catch the thing like you're not going to solve what you're you're aiming to solve. You know, on the flip side of that, we have uh, almost 20,000 homeless students in the city. So I think it's pretty easy to tie that together when we have school closings, homeless kids, hungry kids. Um, I think it makes a lot more sense to put money into fixing that than waiting until they're they're into a life of crime and then trying to police the shit out of everything on the back end, right? You um absolutely right. Because funding the police is let's say you have a wound. Um you're not cleaning it, you're not you're not putting it anything on it. Um you know, it's just getting worse and worse. And you're investing <laughs> all of your money or a good portion of your money into band-aids to cover it um, instead of circumventing, getting the wound, circumventing um, the ill nature with which the wound has been cleaned out and, and, and disinfected. That's, equivalent to what it feels like because if a good portion of that money was put into schools um shit housing um shit hospitals or um you know there's just a lot of things shit parks and there a lot of it i was looking at this today because I've been having the conversation like what would we do without the police? And it's not like, no, the police would still be there, but 
the gamut of things that they will be called for will be significantly less because you have social workers, you have you have housing, you have all of these things that would make the police less needed that are taken care of. Even, um, you know, abolish police, which I, at face value, I don't necessarily agree with. And I understand why people don't agree with. But I think if you if you're able to go longer with that message out of just this two word thing, you the point is you look at how bad things are and you wonder if it's fixable. Mm-hmm. Now, I could be off base here, but I think the people who are saying abolish police are saying, let's just start it over, which I don't I don't know if that'll ever happen. But I um, when I was looking at abolish the police, um, it was actually I guess it depends on who you ask, because I was thinking the same thing. And my mindset was like, you know, we've had civilizations and groups that didn't have the police prior and they found a way to do this that and the other but from what i understand after reading um you know extensive like shit threads and links to articles revolving around it it's mainly abolishing certain duties that the police have to do you know um going out to stop a crime or to make sure someone's self safe that's the main thing that people should be doing. But responding to a medical call, someone overdosing, someone someone with alcohol poisoning, someone with a missing dog, someone with a missing cat. Like they're almost it seems I guess to defend the funding of the police, they kind of increased their job description to justify why so much money is going to them or towards them. And but I mean, they, they prioritize that those calls to be fair. I mean, if you say your fucking dog is missing, they, they may not even show up. I mean, I remember before they did this mass hiring in the last five years in Chicago, um, you know, if, if your house got broken into and the person wasn't on the premises, they would just be like, Hey, come to the police station today or tomorrow. And mm-hmm. we're not going to send somebody out. Yeah, You know, I think a lot of this funding has to do with the kind of equipment they have and these pensions as well. Like, I'm very pro-union, but, um, you know, when you have a union like this that has just one function as far as protecting people who don't deserve it at any cost, I think there's an issue there. Um, And this has been, it's been interesting to see you know, we've been promised no change or the, the slowest of incremental change. And it's interesting to see. I don't know if you saw that D-Ray got some flack for his eight can't wait proposal. I didn't see it. Uh, I saw someone uh, uh, commenting on how D-Ray mentioning about the police wasn't a thing until as of recently. But I don't know what the eight can't wait thing is. Uh, well, I have it pulled up just in case. Um, so he, he wants to enact these eight policies, which, um, I, I think these, some of these vary state by state. So, um, one is ban chokeholds and strangleholds. That's something that I don't think that they're allowed to do in every state. Um, again, I think, you know, having that as a, a blanket thing 
across America would probably be be a good idea. Require de-escalation, require a warning before shooting, exhaust all other means before shooting, duty to intervene, ban shooting at motor vehicles, require use of force continuum. I don't know what that is. Uh, require comprehensive reporting. Now, based on the numbers they've crunched, which I don't know what that is, where they're getting data from, they think that this can decrease police violence by 72%. And I think at face value, that seems like a big win. I mean, we're we're nowhere near to seeing this. I, I haven't seen anybody, uh, like a representative of any police department saying like, oh, this is a great idea, like we're on board. But it's very interesting to see the backlash of this. They're like, nah, not good enough. 72% fuck that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying whether that stance is right or wrong, but I think uh, the powers that be have, have shot themselves in the foot a little bit um, by not even throwing us a bone in the last however many years. Yeah. Uh, to where this proposal, which again, I think is a little bit far fetched, saying, hey, we can reduce by 72%, not good enough. Yeah, 72%. It's piled up so extensively ever since we've been able to record the things done and we've been able to, you know, bring more light to what's happening. I I can't really blame people for saying 72%. Like, no, we want 100% of shit that's happening to be done. I mean, I know... mm, People like to mention how, you know, baby steps and increments, but how long, these are human lives, you know? Yeah. How long does it take? How Um, long are we supposed to wait for, be like, hey, can you just stop indiscriminately killing people? Is it, please? Okay, well, we have a 10-year plan where we can, you know, it's like, when you start (laughs) using that kind of lingo and you pull crafts out, I mean, like, like, it may, it may be be practical but we're we're like past that now it's that was a proposal done. we should have had decades ago yeah years ago years ago this it shouldn't be happening in the first place and i think that's 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 the main idea right now i think i don't have the answers of course i think um i think the standards for police officers need to go up <laughs> there's people i went to high school that are with that are police officers right now should not be police police officers right now um shit i don't know what's needed but there's there definitely needs to be some sort of reform just just have people with a, a decent concept of human life and what it means um uproot the racism but I mean, when it comes to a, a system of whatever this is, it can't just be the police. You got to get, you got to get the judges. You got to get the lawyers. You got to get shit. Yeah, the the whole the criminal whole justice system is so thing. fucked and for profit prison, all this. Um, but you know, it, it it sucks because some of the things that uh, have been proposed outside outside of this D-ray plan with are never going to fly the, the the unions are going to fight against that. You know, the idea that you should live in the community that you're policing, they're going to say is a huge safety issue and they can't do it. Not in a million years. Um, 
you know, like I, I don't, I just, I'm optimistic, but I, I think it's still, I think long, long road, not in the terms of like, oh, we got another hundred years of this, but like a hard road. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I, I said I was feeling optimistic and I am, but, you know, one thing that worries me is, you know, I think, you know, we, we talked about in Chicago, like, hey, we might open patios today, but they like, they made that a for sure thing, like however many days ago, right? Basically, mm-hmm. I feel like they set that in stone to be like, hey, you know, you, you could go to this protest or you could uh, eat on a patio or get your hair cut. Right. <laughs> And I think the more things go to normal, you're going to have a third or a half of the city start feeling comfortable again. And then we're going to we're going to risk losing a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the the tactic. And we had a lot of maybes, you know, as far as the time frame and things have been pushed back a, a lot of times. And now it's like, hey, yeah, today, go do it. Go have fun. Mm-hmm. Um. I kind of lost my train of thought, but I wanted to talk no, about yeah, uh, you. this, uh, dude, I'm like exhausted from walking in the sun all day, by the way. You got a nice it, tan it, going on? I, no, not, not at all. Okay, but, uh, gotcha. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I haven't been the most active like a lot of us out here Yeah, and I'm, I'm not, I don't love the sun and heat, but I was, was out here. Uh, so the, they shot a man in his fucking, uh, penis Mm-mm. here. In, in San Jose, like right before we got on, I read about this. Jeez. So this man who works for an organization uh, and he he trains the police about racial bias. Um, this is a gentleman he saw that we've, we've talked about before. Is it that guy that we talked about before or is it somebody else? The, I do not recognize this guy. Okay. I saw a photo and a video of him. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but... Basically, um, he saw the police were firing at a group of people. So he approached with his hands up and he said, hey, I'm, you know, they'll listen to me. I can kind of, you know, we don't have to do things this way. And then this dude, they just started blasting his ass. Like he was like 20 feet away. So it was relatively close and they're not supposed to shoot you in your head or you're growing. And uh, they ruptured his uh, scrotum. And he may not be able to have children. Oh, no. What the fuck? Is you know, I think, people? yeah, I when you don't see the people you're policing as human beings, and, of, you know, of course, it's worse for the black community, but it extends to kind of everybody to an extent. Mm-hmm. They don't see themselves on the same level as anybody. And it's an us versus them mentality, and it's getting worse and worse. And this whole fucking mm-hmm. Punisher skull bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you fix that without tearing everything down and starting from scratch? It's a tough, tough question. Mm-hmm. That's true. The roots have dug in too deeply. Um. um so I, I, I don't know about you, but I've kind of been avoiding. Uh, a lot of this stuff on the podcast for the last two episodes because I felt like we've all been going through it in one way or another and I don't want to pile on. I know. But I was you know we were aware when Ahmad Arbery happened, right? Yeah, we were. Coincidentally we, just, we didn't talk about it. Yeah. You know, honestly, it's 
it's it's equal parts we live it so how often you know do people want to hear about that how often do people want us to discuss that um you know privately we discuss these things and stuff but we don't want to depress you guys if that makes any sense um which leads me to just just thinking about the balance needed between uh being entertained being happy and staying informed um shit we 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 try to entertain and like give people a reprieve from what's going on occasionally, you know, but it's, it's okay to do both. This is a conversation Reggie and I kind of touched on because we debated, you know, recording and releasing episodes and doing the things that we normally do because we asked ourselves like, is it right to, you know, talk about these things or add on or do the stuff that we normally do while all of this is happening and you know to each his own but I personally feel like it's important to to sometimes take a break do the things that you enjoy um, uh, check in to, to your capacity or as much as possible but it's it's all right to do multiple things at once yeah, man, it it was for us too. Like, you know, part of it was how heavy do we want to go on a time where people are looking for an alternative yeah. to, to what's going on. But also it's like, do I want to talk about this right now? Exactly. Is this going to be a fun episode for me? Exactly. And we talk about race. I mean, it's it, I feel like it comes up every episode. It does. It does. With good reason, because like there's a bunch of shit. Yeah, there's always something going there's on. There's always something going on. Um, um did did you have anything before we move to um the story I made you read? No. No. I think we've I think we've touched uh touched on everything so far. Um that story was good. Um I felt sad and bad for the dude. Um if you want to give an introduction to what it was before I start expressing myself, that's fine. Um, so this story uh, was hit me a certain way because uh, I got I started liking hockey uh, around what year? 2005 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, I, me and Delancey were the same. We didn't grow around, uh, up around sports or anything. You know, obviously Jordan was big, 85 Bears. But, like, mm-hmm. Chicago sports wasn't doing much, um, and we just didn't come from those kind of households. But I uh, – at my first job, I had a coworker who was from Detroit, and he was, like, really into the Red Wings and really into hockey, and I would hang out with him, and he had the the video game on GameCube. And I was like, oh, hockey's kind of cool, you know? Like, let me see what's up with uh, the Chicago team. And I was like, oh, they really suck. But – uh you know, this is interesting. And then, you know, they had Dustin Bufflin was a, a black player who was like an interesting story and a very good player. I don't know. You're you're a little bit familiar. You've heard that name, right? I might have. Yeah. So he was he was on the Stanley Cup winning team of 2010. Um, he's a mixed dude, uh, you know, single mom, started playing hockey late, got really good at it, was like an all-star, like really cool story, right? Played for the Blackhawks, won a championship, um, you know, salary cap stuff, they get rid of him. Um, 
and that kind of helped me like identify with something in hockey because I, hockey, as much as I thought the sport was kind of cool, you know, I think a big barrier for hockey is the price of entry and the fact that it's not, it's one of the few remaining homogenous kind of sports, right? Where like everybody's white. Uh, and Akeem Alou was a player I remember the Blackhawks drafting and being excited about because it's like, oh man, they they drafted this mixed dude. He's supposed to be really good. He's uh, was he Nigerian and U- Ukrainian? Like super yeah. cool, you know? Yeah. Cool story. Seems like he's gonna be a really good player. And then you hear, oh, he's got attitude problems, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, like I hope he makes it. And then he gets sent down from the minor leagues to like, I guess the super minor leagues, junior team, Canadian listeners know how that shit works better than I do. But point being, this guy fizzled out and all you hear is like, he has an attitude, bad work ethic, whatever. Um, He wrote this article recently that detailed his experiences and how a lot of the reason he ended up not having a professional career in hockey was due to racism, which to an extent is like, unfortunately to be expected when it's everybody who plays is an affluent white person, Mm -hmm. but to read in his own words and get the specific experiences was very enlightening. If you'd like to elaborate. Yeah, it was, uh, I would also, like to mention just not the players are affluent white dudes, but the fan base also yeah. partakes in the culture, which is it skews white, skews upper middle class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um it, it was an interesting read because the culture of hockey is so foreign to me, you know, and I, I'm not sure how many black individuals are super duper into it prior to the Blackhawks winning, at least in Chicago. Um, and at least in America, I should say, but it's sad that I wasn't too surprised, I suppose. Um, because it's hockey, anything that a great abundance of white people enjoy a lot. I automatically assume there's going to be some, some shit, that any person of color is going to have to deal with if they partake in it. Um, hockey is an actual, you know, sport and whatnot. I was like, okay, I can see this, but it still hurt to to see it, especially because he went into detail about his childhood, which was coming from, you know, Eastern Europe and only speaking Russian and being half black uh, and the things that he had to deal with to get where he was. I was like, shit. You know that that hit kind of close to home, but yeah, he he came from a poor family, and he said he was using like not even secondhand skates, like shit that sounded like it was from the early '90s, late '80s. You know, like wood sticks when everybody's using these like mm-hmm. fiberglass carbon fiber sticks, and you know, it's like I think we've it, you know, now obviously there's there's a little bit different between me and you, but it's so easy to put yourself there because to an extent we've, we've experienced some of these things. (laughs) Yeah. But like when they talk about 
like he's being bullied for being poor and they take his like fucking pads that are 20 years old and they throw them on a roof where nobody can get them. Right. You know, to people who've never wanted for anything that that can be a funny prank, but like, that's, that's the only way he's playing. And, and what did his parents have to sacrifice to get that for him? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. But um, what that did show me was that, you know, I'm not I'm not too surprised that the plight of um, black individuals, no matter where you're from, is going to be something relatable. Uh, probably, I guess I guess it depends on who you ask, of course, I don't want to make any exceptions, but, you know, that everything that he said was definitely relatable and understandable because I'm sure football culture has similar aspects to it. Um, Plenty, but there's so many black players. There are, there are, you could only treat them so bad or you're going to have no team. You're going to have a mutiny, right? Exactly. A super problem. But to isolate yourself in a, in a sport such as hockey, where everything is what it is, you know, my heart really went out for him and that was cool. I need to, he, I'm sorry, go ahead. I want to know if black people that partake in curling experience any ridiculousness. I challenge you to find one. Yeah. I'm sure there's some weird country where there's like one guy on the team. <laughs> I would have but to in look the, for it. Flipping through channels and looking at curling, I don't think I've seen any black people. You, I, I think there are ties also to like hyper-masculinity. Uh, I don't understand what that is too. But it's not only like just white dudes, but any aggressive-ass sport where it's just like, raw raw you know that adds another level of aggressiveness and 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 negativity to it you know i I can't really see curling niggas (laughs) like hazing one another let alone black people i'm not sure how that works out but i don't know shit about curling culture so there's that um so i just looked up he he just turned 31 for for context here um yeah He's not, he's not 70. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talks about being 11 and hearing a French Canadian guy in the stand say, how many times are we going to let this nigger score? Mm-hmm. Yep. 11. And coach, he said, everybody heard it. Coach didn't do anything. And, and, you know, this outside of the article, I mean, this was big, you know, the, the coach, um, that he named was fired. Um, but Before like, I mean, this after is the article was he no after. Oh, yeah. after. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is all pretty, this all happened pretty new. And I was going to bring this up in another episode, but I was like, I don't know if I want to get into all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, he talks about this hazing event that he didn't want to participate in. And I remember the, the, the press at the time was about, the hazing and like, you know, do we need to do less hazing in hockey? But again, there was that tinge of like, does he, does he think he doesn't need to do this? Right. Like there was that undertone of that. Mm-hmm. Like, why doesn't he have to, to, to go through the hazing? Right? right. And because he didn't do, he didn't let himself be hazed, which involved him getting completely naked. Uh, he got hit in the mouth with a stick and lost seven of his teeth. Mm-hmm. And I think at this time he was like 17. Yeah. 
And this was a teammate that did this to him. Uh, the captain? Or no, I can't remember. I can't remember if it was the captain or not. It was a, it was somebody who was like a good uh, perspective person for like the NHL or something like that. I don't think he named that individual. He did. He did. And, but I forget their name. They are somebody relatively famous, but I forgot their name. But they they played four hundred games in the NHL. Okay. Um, and interestingly enough, I, I would say I think a couple of factors went into it. But like my interest in the NHL is like near zero at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I can't blame you. But I mean, this is part of it. You know, if you want diversity in fans and, and, you know, make no mistake that the NHL is, I mean, it's a a surviving league, but it's, I mean, compared to football, baseball, basketball, I mean, it's not doing great. No, it's not. And I mean, just nine years ago, Ben Simmons, famous black player, uh, somebody threw a banana on the ice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, and thought that shit was funny too. The same shit happened to Dave Chappelle, didn't it? Wasn't that some shit he talked about when he did stand up? Somebody threw a banana at him? Yeah, somebody threw a banana at Dave Chappelle. Like, (laughs) and and he he mentioned it in in a. Was it Dave Chappelle? It had to be Dave Chappelle. I'm going to look. No, I'll send you the clip later on once I find it. But no, Dave Chappelle definitely said this motherfucker threw a banana at me. I was like, what the fuck? And this happened in Detroit, I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. People just want to be shitty, bro. Yeah, no, I'm looking right now. Um, dude, you know you can um reach out to me, right? Like when shit's fucking with you. Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll get through this. We will. But you know, I'm uh, yeah, I think I think I've been doing good overall. I I think the difference for me is that. And I, I think it, maybe this applies to you to an extent. It's like we're so, I mean, obviously we're aware of things. And, you know, I think that's evidenced by the fact that we address things on here. But we do a certain amount to not fuck with a kind of person, right? Or like we read the news and we see things and we live things, but we're insulated to an extent. Or we have the privilege of like, man, like you have dope coworkers. You live in a neighborhood where you're relatively accepted, like, no, people don't fuck with me in my circles for the most part. Like, I don't have to check anybody. So when all of this, like, when this takes a turn like this, even though it, it may be for the good, it's like that shit kind of hits you a certain way. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's unfortunate that this is what it takes, but I think it's a good sign that we may be able to get somewhere. Yeah. Um, and it's a good wake up call to even people like us. Um, and I know, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about, you know, my role in things and what I've been doing and I'm, uh, making strides to dedicate more time to my community, uh, that I just moved into about a year ago, um, and do a little bit less for other communities. Not that, you know, everybody isn't deserving, but pretty much anything charitable I've done in the last few years has not been for black people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like to do better. So yeah. March tomorrow by my house. I'm excited to go to that, help feed some people. Yeah. And uh, I will be reaching out to organizations in my area supporting the South Side black nice. communities. 
good, dude. I've um I haven't been out there. Um but I've been donating to and sharing links to um local bonds to help people that are shit wrongfully arrested and being you know targeted during the protests and stuff get out of these situations and just trying to do what I can at least virtually to assist so what we can do is we can share some links um at least locally to to um people that aid with bonds and whatnot so that um you too can participate should you choose but if you would actually like to look at more local uh, foundations or groups, then I would definitely encourage you to do so. And I'm happy that we're able to discuss this and talk about it and be on different pages as far as like someone who supports that isn't out of the house and someone that is actually being out of the house and going um, because I think the main idea is that as long as you're supporting in the best way you can, you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel guilty. Like we're all in this together. Um, as long as your heart's in the right place and you're on the objective side of what is right, in my opinion, then, uh, I think you're doing what you need to. And we, uh, we all have, different skill sets and capabilities yeah. and it's easy to think that um I, I can't donate money i'm not doing enough or i can't protest i'm not doing enough but i think it, just texting people to check in on them is a great service talking to people is a great service sharing your story is a great service mm-hmm. um you know i know a lot of people have a little more time now yeah. maybe you're unemployed maybe you're at part-time and if there's any time you can donate that is incredibly valuable yeah um and and again, play to your skills. Um, like I said, I'm I'm not above doing anything for a cause, but if there's something I can contribute that is unique to me that somebody else can't, I would I would love to be using that role. And I think we're all good at something. Mm-hmm. You know, people need graphic design, donate that, you know, something that, that may not even seem like a big job to you could make a huge difference for an organization, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that's what it's all about. So go design a, a an angel fire website for somebody. No, you could do better than that, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. Um, I don't have much else that I want to discuss, but I, I, one of the main things I want to drive home is the fact that, uh, you know, there's always someone you can speak to. Uh, I hope you all are taking care of yourself. And if you need to it's okay to take breaks from what's going on um the information will be there you know but just if you can't take care of yourself um you know it'll be hard to take care of other people so just make sure you're doing right by you first and foremost and uh you know personally i i think we put this out there but it's it's real shit you can talk to us that's true um it's accurate if I would I would much rather you talk to me than talk to no one. I have more time these days. Ask me something dumb. Ask me to tell you a joke. Tell me a story. Vent to me if you need to. You know, like people message me here and there. Somebody's like, oh, I was thinking about getting this camera. And I don't know. And I'll be like, yo, I looked up how much camera shit in the last year. 
how much money you got? What are you trying to do? Somebody was like, hey, I got to build a computer. I was like, how much money you got? I'll tell you what to get. Mm-hmm. I'm more than willing to answer questions like that. If you're looking for Chicago specific links or whatever, yeah. come to us. We'll we'll try to post those in the next couple of days. But um, mm-hmm. do not be afraid to use us as a resource if necessary. Not at all. We just regular niggas. Like just, well, I mean, you get it. You know I don't know about vegan comfort food like you do yeah 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 i barely know but i i'm in the know a little bit people usually come to me about microphones and like hey i'm thinking about starting this and doing this i'm like okay this is what you want to do uh yeah but use us don't abuse us but we are here for you guys as well um i think we have all of our shit information and twitter shit in the in the description so just click it just click it type up what you need it's all good but Yeah, take it easy. Be careful. Stay safe. We love you.